This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're having a very wonderful day as much as I am currently having right now. You know, these last couple of days have been extremely busy, but there is some interesting news and topics to be able to cover in today's podcast, needless to say. What I am most excited for is this upcoming week uh, for earnings. I believe there is a company that will be reporting earnings sometime covering the podcast when the time comes. I'll keep that a secret for now before I actually do cover it. So with that, let's actually talk about what we will be talking about today. For instance, first, we're going to be talking about how there's a chance when you go to the bar next time, you could be dealing with a robotic bartender, which is a very interesting concept because robots, in my opinion, are slowly taking over currently right now. There's also news about how tech companies are shedding workers, even though there's a talent talent shortage and it it rages on currently with the talent shortages. Cloud stocks are on the rise currently right now after a terrible start for 2022 for them. There's a company in Germany that is claiming they're going to increase coal production for energy consumption as there is the gas shortage. And this is something we've been talking about a lot, and we're going to cover this in more details on today's podcast. And then how that ties in with the national gas average within the United States currently right now. But before I begin, like I always say with each podcast that we begin with, I have to remind you, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. Everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as there's no guarantee of you making money when you invest. I cannot give you legal financial advice in any way, shape or form because everything on this podcast that I'm talking about is my opinion. And at the same token, it's also for entertainment purposes only. Please go talk to your professional advisor before making any financial decisions as they understand your financial situation a lot better than I do. With that being said, let's begin with today's podcast. Meet Bru- 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 uh, sorry, Meet Brilio, the bartending robot that can make small talk. It's an interesting concept that they have here. Your favorite bartender is likely someone who can uh, expertly mix your favorite drinks while serving up a side of friendly banter. It's an experience that's difficult to top, but a group of scientists at an Italian university have tried to do that just that with a twist. Their ultimate bartender is a machine. Researchers at Italy's University of Naples, uh, Fredico II, are developing a bartending robot called Brilio that can not only whip up cocktail, but also remember your favorite drink and have a conversation. University's team of computer scientists are using machine learning algorithms to teach Brilio, which is short for bartending robot for interactive, long-lasting operations, how to interact with human customers. The robot can gauge whether the tone of the conversation is serious or playful or even ask appropriate questions or crack a joke, depending on the situation. A team of researchers at the University of Projects of Intelligent Robotics and Advanced Cognitive Systems, or PRISCA lab, started developing Brilio in February of 2020 through a partnership with Totero Automization, an Italian manufacturer of food assembly line machines. Earlier this year, the team shared a video of Brilio on Twitter showing off a robot using his long mechanic arms attached to a bow tie, torso, and human-like face. Professor Silvi- Silvia Rosio, one of the pr- project lead researchers, tells CNBC, 
make it that the company asked her team to develop a machine capable of performing the functions of a bartender, particularly mixing drinks. Rather than building what Rusty said could have simply been a cocktail vending machine, which already exists, the scientists decided to take the concept a step further to mimic the also important social aspect of a bartender's job. The ability to interact with someone as a human level is key to having customer returning to the bar. So I'm a firm believer that AI and robotics is going to be the future in the making. I think that's the whole industry that's going to be like the hot sector in the making. I mean, for the longest time, it was the social media companies. It was the iPhones from Apple. It was the computers when Microsoft and Apple started back in the day in the early 90s. Obviously, the dot-com boom, boom with Amazon and all that stuff. I believe now the next phase of investment thesis, obviously space is a big one in the making, but I believe AI robotics will be a big space in the making. And the only reason I say that currently right now is there are companies that are doing other projects as well. You have some companies that are having robots deliver food. You have some companies that have robot securities. You have some robots that are flipping hamburgers. Like I think the company's name was Flippy. And the security robot one was called Nightscope. Uh, small disclaimer, I do have a small position in Nightscope. I do need to mention that. It's a long position, but I do need to mention that. But these companies are starting to pop up. And AI robotics is kind of the future where things are going. I firmly believe there will be a huge market in the future for robotics. And it's going to change a lot of people's lives in ways we've never seen before. AI, te AI technology is just going to continue to improve. And they're going to be able to figure out eventually how to make these machines be able to read human emotions and all that as well. But this AI robotics, though, for a bartender is going to make things more interesting going forward because at the end of the day, it's going to become, does a bartender do a better job than a robotic or does the robotic do a better job than the bartender? It's hard to tell, but it's also kind of freaky that this robot can be able to have conversations and tell jokes, but it is where things are going currently right now where AI is going to take over a lot of stuff. And so... Like I've always said, pay attention to AI stocks because I believe eventually sometime in the future, there could be a huge opportunity with some AI companies and I can see people making a lot of money because Wall Street's still obsessed with social media companies right now. So, but sometime in the future, I think AI is going to be the next big thing in the making. Continuing on with the tech sector of our topics today, tech companies shed workers even as talent shortage rages on, Okay. Layoffs and hiring slowdowns have been on the top talking points from tech leaders on earnings calls over the past few weeks. There, then there was last few, then there was last week's job reports. More than half a million jobs were added in July, well beyond the expectation of 258,000. Wage growth was up 0.5% of the month, 5.2% year over year, and on, and the unemployment rate is now 3.5%, tied to the lowest since 1969. In such a tight labor market, when companies are struggling to find the talent they need. Why are tech companies like Amazon, Oracle, and Microsoft shedding workers? For starters, economics point out that what's happening in one sector isn't representative of the entire economy. Just as the early days of the pandemic lockdown impacted industries differently, airlines and hotels were slammed while e-commerce and streaming platforms boomed, so too will the next phase of economic cycle. Through the pandemic, tech companies added workers at a rapid clip. Now with worries of looming recession and high inflation dampening consumer spending, many of these same companies are looking to cut costs and shore up capital. Amazon almost doubled in size over the past few years as it needed staff up warehouses to meet customer demand. Now it's cutting workers, announcing last month it reduced its headcount by 99,000 99, people to 1.52 million. Shopify began adding workers in 2020 in response to the tremendous growth in the number of stores and restaurants that went digital around the COVID-19 lockdown in July. The company announced it's laying off about 1,000 people or 10% of its global workforce. 
CEO Toby Lucky in a memo to employees acknowledged that he, yeah, he's <clears throat> that he miscalculated how long the pandemic fueled e-commerce boom would last. So, and then it goes into details too about the changing demographics are also a part of the current uh, labor picture. George Washington University management professor Christopher Case points that uh, constricted immigration policies have led to fewer workers, as have the significant number of people retiring and retiring earlier since the pandemic. Working mothers still on the sidelines because of struggles with childcare are also a factor. You'll add up fewer workers available for the increased number of jobs that have been created as the economy grew. Quote, when you combine the growth in jobs with a smaller labor pool and, and workers who are more selective about jobs they're taking, you're going to have a that mismatch, Case says. I think one reason, too, that's causing this, this phase is I, I believe, com- obviously, companies overhired overall, like we just read. But at the same time, I think a lot of these tech companies are realizing that they just probably don't need the workforce as much currently right now. I mean, they're saying it's just the tech sector and that it's just the economic cycle of companies going through. But I think if you're like in the oil industry right now, you're probably busy as can be right now because there's such demand for oil right now. And oil companies probably can't hire enough workers currently right now, whether it's the engineers or the actual laborers laborers on the actual platforms where they're drilling the oil overseas. But at the same time, I mean, I know that there there is a quote unquote shortage of workers. That's what they keep telling us. But in reality, it just seems like a lot of these companies have been telling us for months that this was going to happen. I mean, even JP Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon said the exact same thing that he wasn't going to be hiring as many people. And Microsoft said the exact same thing about a week earlier or the week after Jamie Dimon made that statement. I think in reality, I think just a lot of these companies just overhired people and it's just part of we hire, we let go of people based off what's happening in the economy at the end of the day. But it's also interesting too to point out that they're blaming that there is a recession. I believe the recession technically has already happened. Okay. I mean, they're adding new jobs, but the jobs, I believe for the most part, are mostly part-time jobs that were created, not actual full-time jobs. Okay. That is something I would find more interesting though in, in economic data sometime in the future is if they were talking about jobs created, were they part-time or full-time jobs? Because that would actually give you a better understanding of the economy going, especially these tech companies currently right now. Because at the same time, while there's tech companies that are laying off, you have reports like this too. It says cloud stocks are rallying after a punishing start of the year as 2022 outlook brightens. Okay. It says investors looking again to the beaten down cloud stocks at bargain basement prices have missed their opportunity. Scanning the cloud software market, which tanked to the start of the year, numerous stocks have jumped 50% from their lows. The Wisdom Tree Cloud Computing Fund, a sector-wide basket, has risen 26% in the past three months, while the S&P 500 is up less than 9% over the stretch. The cloud index is still badly underperforming the broader market for the year. The macro data remains unfavorable for cloud companies, which ran up during the pandemic when interest rates were low and investors were paying big premiums for growth. Now, with the Fed in the midst of a hike cycle and inflation near a 40-year high, profits are a premium, as are dividends and products that consumers need in good times and bad. However, even as cloud stocks were selling off at a dizzying pace at the first half of 2022, the companies behind those stock prices, for the most part, continue to chuck along, providing that demand will still robust for their products and services. Perhaps the market overcorrected these companies are in fine shape and that these stocks will again outperform when confidence returns to the market. That's the bet some investors have been making over the past few months as they try to capture what they see as easy money. Some of the stuff is coming back a little bit, said Elliot Robinson, a partner 
at Bezemir Venture Partners and co-founder of firm's growth investment practice, we have seen that the fundamentals of the basket of business really fall off a cliff. For instance, consider GitLab, whose tools help software developers manage source code. The company's stock price plunged 75% between November and April and June. In April, in June, the story changed. Despite missing analysis projections, GitLab posted 75% revenue growth over the prior year. Goldman Sachs upgraded the stock to a buy from equivalent to of hold. Quote, in the near term, GTLB is likely to see more steady demand backdrop relative to discretionary and complex IT solutions as it provides key cost savings and operational efficiencies. Goldman Sachs analysis wrote in the report at the time, GitLab shares have doubled in the past three months, the sharpest gain among stocks in the Wisdom Tree Fund. Data processing software developer Confluent has seen the second biggest gain up 81% since mid-May. On August, 3, on August 3rd, Confluent reported 58% in revenue for the second quarter and forecast growth of at least 46% for the year. Confluent technology cites its operations stacking power, powering applications that directly serve critical business operations and real-time customer experiences. CEO Jay Krebs told analysis that the company earnings call, given this credibility, it can be switched off without a complete dis- disruption of the operations of the business. Okay. Cloud sector is a sector that kind of eludes me a little bit, but I under, I mean, software in reality, you're going to need software a lot. Okay. And a lot of these companies, I mean, this is where a lot of the money's probably going to end up flowing in the next few months, next quarter, probably in particular. A lot, of, a lot of investment firms or people in general are going to try to invest in companies that are making money still, okay? The days of the easy, cheap money are virtually gone right now until this hype, until this not hyperinflation, but until this inflation is under control and the economy does a little bit better and there's more people working and unemployment numbers go down again. The day of cheap money is virtually gone. And so Wall Street now has to actually sit there and actually have to invest into companies that are actually making money. Okay. I mean, most of the time Wall Street likes to invest in companies that in long term will make money, but at the short term, currently right now, they're not because they want the growth. But in reality, in this type of market, you're going to need to invest more in companies that are actually making money, at least in my opinion. Like I've said, this is just my opinion at the end of the day. This isn't financial advice. But companies that are actually making money are going to do well because they're the ones who have to actually turn a profit now. And during times of uncertainty, this is why Wall Street is constantly switching in between the growth high tech stocks and jumping into more dividend players. Like you have, for instance, they're jumping into like the Chevrons and the Exxons. Obviously, Chevron and Exxons are making a lot of money right now. Just oil in general is making a lot of money. But a lot of pe- but a lot of investors in Wall Street are running towards the companies that actually have to pro that they they show they make money at the end of the day. So you will know exactly when that shift happens again, when Wall Street starts focusing on the next high growth company, because then it's like, okay, the recession's pretty much over and they're betting that eventually sometime in the future, this company will make money, but we want the high growth stock right now. But companies have to prove to make money in order for Wall Street to be even interested in investing in them currently right now. But what's also interesting is where certain sectors of the economy might be growing currently right now. And it has to do with coal again. This is German energy giant RWE to burn extra coal as Russian gas supplies dwindle. The chief financial officer of German energy firm RWE told CNBC Thursday that it will burn more coal in the short term, but insists its plans to be carbon neutral in the future remain in place. 
Micah Mueller's comments come as European countries scramble to shore up energy supplies as the war in Ukraine continues. Russia, the biggest supplier of both petroleum oils and natural gas to the EU last year, according to Eurostat, it has significantly reduced flows of natural gas to Europe after Western nations imposed sanctions on the Kremlin as a result of the unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. Germany, Europe's largest economy, has decided to recommission some of its coal-fired power plants in order to compensate for the lack of Russian gas. RWE is actively supporting the German government or European governments in managing the energy crisis, Mueller told CNBC uh, Joman uh, Berchetti. So we're, we're bringing back additional coal capacity to manage the situation. This plan will involve three of RWE's legitimate fire-powered stations being brought back to the grid from the start of October. RWA says uh, legenite, also known as brown coal and considerable particularly bad for the environment, remains a reliable partner to this day. It adds that RWE's power, which focuses on uh, lignite, the nuclear power generation, extracts millions of metric tons of coal each year. All the above represents a hurdle for the ESON headquarter business, which has said it wants to be carbon neutral by the end of 2040. A fossil fuel coal has a substantial effect on the environment, and Greenpeace has described it as the dirtiest, most polluting way of producing energy. Coal combustion produces a slew of potential dangerous emissions, including carbon dioxide, sulfur dioxide, particular, and nitrogen oxides. What's currently happening is hopefully a short-term issue where we need to find a security to apply, RWE's Mueller said. Okay, so great. Short term, that's fine. But here's what I find interesting. It says on Thursday, RWE reported earnings for the first half of 2022 with adjusted net income at 1.6 billion euros or around 1.66 billion compared to 870 million euros in the first half of 2021. The company said it had invested approximately 2 billion euros in expanding its green portfolio in the first half of 2022. Total investment will come to more than 5 billion euros by the end of 2022. I have a feeling, and I keep mentioning this, I think coal is going to be making a lot of money soon, but I'm not also one to be taking that gamble currently right now because I could be completely wrong too. But I will find this interesting is if they do keep investing in coal, especially in Germany and bringing in more coal to provide their energy. I mean, what's going to happen if this war with Russia and Ukraine just keeps going on? I mean, think about it. Russia is being funded its war because Saudi Arabia is buying its oil for $30 a barrel. Saudi Arabia is exporting all its oil that it's pretty much drilling out of the ground to the world. You have China and, and India who are doing the exact same thing too. The United States and European nations keep sending supplies to Ukraine. So either this war ends at a stalemate someone or someone wins it, right? But let's just say the war goes on for, let's just say another year or two. Does that mean we're going to see more coal being used? And what companies are going to be pretty much coming out of the ground or out of the woodworks that are going to be able to help solve this quote-unquote dirtiest energy source that Greenpeace is saying? It's hard to tell. I mean, currently right now, we've talked about in the past, there, there have been oil companies that have invested in technology that's sucking CO2 out of the air and virtually using it as energy consumption in the making. Or they're taking the CO2 and dumping it into the ground, into the empty oil wells, okay? I mean, we, we shouldn't discredit coal at the end of the day. We need energy as a people. And I also, I, at first I thought, well, coal is also helping oil prices, but 
that doesn't seem to be the case in general. Okay, at least here in the United States, it says it says here from an article from CNBC two, national average for a gallon of gas drops below four dollars. Okay, this is kind of big news because if earlier this summer we were talking about it, and it was it was just a nightmare. Like every day, I was like, oil prices are going to keep going up. Oil prices are going to keep going up. Oil companies are going to keep making money. Oil companies are probably still going to be making money, and this is why. Okay, and when I get to it, you'll you'll understand why too. The national average price for a gallon of gasoline dropped below four dollars on Thursday for the first time since March. An ongoing side of infl- inflationary pressures for consumers are easing. The price of a gallon of regular gas stood at three dollars ninety nine on Thursday, according to AAA. That's more than a dollar below the record of five dollars and two cents consumers paid in June, unadjusted for inflation. Part of the re- recent uh, decline is thanks to high prices keeping consumers off the road, and therefore and therefore curbing demand. Additionally, oil prices have dropped sharply, and the government has released barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, bringing more supply in the market. Some states have also temporarily suspended their gas tax in an effort to particularly shield residents from rising prices. Let me read that one more time. Some states have also temporarily suspended their gas tax in an effort to partially shield residents from rising prices. Okay. Continuing on, it says, so the national average is 81 cents per gallon above last year's levels in what's become a pain point for the Biden administration ahead of the upcoming midterm election. Higher energy costs have been a major drive of inflation, which is running around the hottest level in more than 40 years. The latest consumer price index reported, however, showed pressures easing a bit in a large part because of declining energy prices. During July, energy prices dropped 4.6% compared to June's levels. The Bureau of Labor Statistics said Wednesday, gasoline prices fell 7.7%. Here's what it boils down to at the end of the day with, with at least gasoline currently right now. Your gas prices are dropping across the nation because they obviously, re, they sent res, the strategic oil reserves overseas, which they should not have done in the first place. All we had to do was just drill within our own country. But they didn't want to do that. But it's because they've dropped the taxes. Okay. Oil prices are still going to keep going up in a way. Saudi Arabia has reached its max capacity when it comes to drilling and pulling the oil out of the ground. But they found a solution. They're buying oil from Russia. A lot of countries are still buying oil from Russia in general. We've we've named three so far. Saudi Arabia, China, and India. And who knows who else is buying at the same time? I mean... If I'm a, if I was a Middle Eastern country currently right now, and I saw that oil was like $110 a barrel right now, I would be drilling everything I can. I'd be shipping it overseas to countries that are in desperate demand for oil, making a till a killer profit in oil currently, and then I'd buy cheap Russian oil for $30 a barrel from Russia, or it's even probably even cheaper. Or who knows? It's hard to tell because there's all these sanctions from Western countries. Okay. We're being played. I mean, what's going to be also interesting too is what if the United States gets into a more of a demand and then these countries that are exporting their oil to us end up just shipping Russian oil to us too. That's another thing to think about. That's that's more money in their pockets eventually too. I mean, I don't think a lot of comp- I don't think a lot of countries would do that, but eventually that could happen. Where if I'm a Saudi Arabia and I have an excess excessive amount of oil. Because I've been buying such cheap oil from Russia. And then it's like, oh, the United States needs more oil. I'll just ship them some of my Russian oil that I've been buying. And I make more money because I've been buying it cheap off Russia. We're being played. We are. 
your gas prices are going down mostly because they uh they they got rid of taxes. And what happens when the taxes return? I mean, midterm elections are coming up in November. How the market's going to react to that? And I also have a feeling too, Russian oil is going to somehow make it back into the market soon, even with all these sanctions that are on Russia currently right now. And oil companies are just going to continue making money right now. They're going to make so much money, it just seems like. And I would expect coal to be almost the exact same thing too. Pay attention to the trends, guys. Follow the money and you'll see what politics and the market and why they're intertwined. And sometimes it drives you insane when you start discovering this world. So with that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have enjoyed it. I ask that if you have enjoyed it, that you please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription we get can help grow this podcast. And also when you listen to it as well, it helps grow our podcast as well. Please also share this with friends or family as they might find it interesting as well. As a lot of times people want to be able to talk about markets, but don't know where to find it currently right now. And we're the channel that we want to be able to get the news out there about what's happening. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today. Thank you and goodbye.